Warning, the following audio may contain content inappropriate for a younger audience. Also, spoilers will be included for the most recent episode of Game of Thrones. You have been warned. Welcome to A Feast for Bros. Today we will be doing the season recap of season six. And we've got a lot to talk about today, so let's go ahead and start with the introductions. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Solis. Happy to be here. Uh, Jack Newman? I'm happy to be here as well, Sean. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you. More beer for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, ben Haller. It is an honor and a privilege and a disservice and all that. <laughs> we salute you! We salute you! <laughs> Guys, it's way too <laughs> Uh, next up, uh, Jenna Daggett. Hey, definitely nowhere else I'd rather be. Sides asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Fair okay, is know, I was fair. trying not to be a jackass, but apparently apparently that's what I just need to turn back into. <laughs> it's okay. We'll... It's fine. It's it's the only thing you can be on this podcast and survive. <laughs> yeah, I'm hosting like the Game of Thrones. I know the fuck you, Sean. Of like, he's the Sean of fuck you, Sean. Of course, it's gonna be a jackass podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, we got a uh, Sarah Becker on the cast. Howdy, gang! I am ecstatic to be here. And last uh, but not least, Trevor Flynn. At your service. Oh, I love all this. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, what we're going to try to do is go through the major plot points uh, in the entire season and just talk talk about what went down and kind of what you know what we were expecting versus what actually happened and where we think uh, you know Game of Thrones is going. Uh, so the first one we wanted to talk about is King's Landing, which is one of the one of the, I think, the three major uh, plot lines that happened in addition to Danny's story and, of course, uh, John's story. So this was one of the ones that I think took a little bit longer to unfold. Um, you know, it was it literally unfolded over the course of the entire season, and we didn't really know what was going to happen until, like, the last episode. Um, so it kind of started off with, uh, you know, Cersei Lannister uh, and Jamie really, versus uh, the High Sparrow. And it was kind of a tough season for Cersei, right? Because she lost both of her kids over the course of the season. Oh, and, um, yeah, yeah. And, of course, was getting more and more isolated as it went as it went on. Um, of course, we kind of, like, lost uh, Marcella on the abandoned plot lines because she never really came back to that. But uh, that's kind of <laughs> beside the point, I guess. Um, but the, I guess the whole point I'm trying to make is that uh, kind of by the end of it, she was so isolated that she just kind of struck struck back and uh, kind of eliminated everyone <laughs> from King's Landing. Uh, so let's go ahead and just open this up if anyone just wants to jump in. Yeah, I think for me, like, um, King's Landing, uh, I honestly expected it to blow up from, like, the second episode. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I, I actually, as the season started, didn't really think about the explosion as much as it, as it could have happened. So, like, it was surprising to me when it finally did happen. But I kept expecting it to be like, oh, shit's going down to King's Landing. Like, they're going to fucking kill everyone and Loras is going to die and all that shit. So, like, as somebody that was, like, perpetually expecting 
um, it to go down, and it just refused to go down. I felt like King's Landing was a very interesting holding pattern, and that's the difference between like Dorne and this. Like Dorne, there was more forward momentum continuously in the plot line, but it was infinitely boring as as compared to this, which was always in a holding pattern. But the payoff and and the impetus of what's happening and the difference between Cersei and the comparison between her and Marjorie and that battle that happens more to the point is like. It's, it's, it shows for the first time in the Seven Kingdoms, because it's always been an element of Danny's. Like, um, social inequality has always been an element of Danny's, um, but it's interesting to reintroduce it to other characters, particularly Cersei, who just does not give a fuck. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, she's, like, you know, Danny always talks about, like, high minded ideals. It's just nice to have, like, a ruler where, she, you know, it's like she shows up and she's like, I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> like,. Like, it's impressive, the non... And that's the thing. She's, like, terrifying on the throne because without children, you're just like, oh, she'll do anything. She'll, like, I don't know. Like, she's somehow, Yeah, she's like, completely... She's completely become unhinged. Like, she has nothing rooting her in, like, humanity left. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, <laughs> there, it was one of those things where you had these freaking... I think over the course of the show, if you listen to all of our freaking podcasts, like, we predicted probably that the high spirit would die like five or six yeah. different times <laughs> all incorrectly of course oh yeah 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 i'm pretty sure it's like the basis of why i'm gonna have to eat a pepper at the end of this show <laughs> like that that was i i think i called his death like 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 four or five times in different episodes because they would always promo and it'd be like some bloody thing happening they'd always like you know the sandra game thing or something it's like oh shit's gonna go down and then it just doesn't and i'm like well fuck you yeah there was a lot of building up of characters for like no particular reason um like if you if you look back on it they really kind of built up the relationship between marjorie and morris and then they really made marjorie like a kind of an interesting character in the sense that she was kind of plotting against cersei and looked like you know, things were going in the Tyrell's direction, especially with Cersei being so isolated. And at the very end, they just kind of turned the table. And, you know, part of me, I guess that's kind of what the emotional impact of that last episode was, is you were hoping that there would be so much more payoff with the Tyrells, but it just, it just didn't happen, right? I don't know. Yeah, it was very unsatisfying. Like, you never got to see her endgame. And, I mean, unless the Queen of Thorns brings up something else, I don't think we'll ever learn her endgame, which is frustrating, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think for me, like, uh, I think that, like, you know, it was a bad thing because Marjorie dying bugged me, and I agree with Sean. We wanted her, to, we, they were setting up these plot lines, and I felt like the eye of that storyline was on different characters than was actually important at the end. Like, we had all this buildup with the Tyrells, we had all this buildup with the, with the Sparrow, and then it doesn't really matter because it's all just set dressing for Cersei's character of being a fucking monster. And I'm like, well, we haven't had much fucking time with Cersei this season. She's just been moping in the palace with her, like, Frankenstein and monster. Like, she has no, she has no character change through the whole fucking season until the very end. And that's my point. It's like, she's just been, she's been an object there, and she wins in the end, and she has a transformation, but, like, I feel like I wanted more build-up to, like, that moment, you know what I mean? As opposed to, like, I feel like Marjorie has way more of a character arc, and that's important because, you know, she dies at the end of this, but it feels pointless now. Which in is this kind of a, season, a, a, at least, yeah. Right, oh, yeah, yeah, no, she's been very, way more important than the, the previous seasons, but, like, she's had, like, a, a unifying effect and, like, taking an entirely different tone and direction with it and showing, like, her ability to branch off as an actress. Like, it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, one, one of my favorite scenes, I think, was the in the very first episode, Episode where Jamie comes back from Dorne and, and he informs her that Marcella had died and you know 
it was just one of those really kind of scary moments when they're both kind of on the same page again, but both like incredibly, you know, sad and upset and like want to strike out. But the fact that she didn't do anything with Marcella for the entire season kind of bugged me because I think that would have been a really good way for them to kind of you know develop her character a little more, give her a little bit more of a story arc, and they just didn't touch it, which like blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think like for me like. Um... The final King's Landing episode is probably going to be my favorite episode, uh, even as opposed to Bastard Bowl. I like it because that's why I watch Game of Thrones. Like, there are better movies with better fight sequences um, out there. And I mean, even though, like, let's be honest, like Bastard Bowl is amazing and it's it's visually amazing. We watch Game of Thrones to fucking get in on this like the Game of Thrones element of it. And Cersei plays it. Cersei has continuously proven to be the best at playing it, even here. Like she's a terrible monarch, but she is so good at offing her opponent at this game, which is her which is her eternal like ability. And she can't keep her children alive for anything. But. <laughs> That's always been the uh, golden shrouds confirmed. That's been the tragedy of ahead, Cersei man. is that her family is her driving force and her downfall that has always been what makes right. her such an interesting right. character and a very Shakespearean she's the most Shakespearean character and that's sort of kings and queens and it's very Macbeth you know the self-fulfilling prophecy and all that wonderfulness mm-hmm. and it'll be nice to see her finally get her come up in the, in the end with Jamie Kelsey you gotta you gotta watch those Oni Chans dude you're just gonna like jump jump the bones man what just gotta gotta be what? careful <laughs> what are you talking about no, you, you know it you know like like, like brother and sister hentai. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I knew uh, it, Jack. But I, I, I'm gonna make a. I, I know because you used to do anime podcasting with me, so I know you knew what I meant because I made you watch some of that shit. For those so, keeping track, yeah. this is now oh, at nine minutes and thirty seconds that Jack brought up something weird sexually. So that must be a new record. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make a pact. If I die in a weird accident. You are all responsible for coming to North Carolina, breaking in my apartment, and deleting my browser history. <laughs> like, like, it is your job. It is our pact of the podcast. Jack, I, I recommend that you just keep a little vial of thermite over your computer and attach it to a heart monitor. So if you die, right. it just goes like... <laughs> It's like the end of Dread. It's like that. She's like, it, my apartment just explodes. It's just like it was the only sure way to be that my... You know, my internet history would be deleted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I really need to like destroy Time Warner Cable and make sure my ISP is gone too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, I think we need to move on because we're gonna get through. Well, well let's, 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 let's do <laughs> a little, like just really quick. We ought to do some predictions about where we think right, Cersei's right, right, gonna right. go real, real fast. Um, I don't know. I just I don't see her sticking around too long. Um, I, I agree with uh, with Ben that she needs to get her come up in soon because her whole point has been to protect her her kids, right? And she's just completely failed at that. And now she's done the one thing that uh, that Jamie killed the uh, you know King Eris for. So it's just it, it, I just don't see her, you know, especially just being on on her own. She's the only like major actor who's like I guess in Jamie obviously, but it's like cast in King's Landing. Like I just don't see it being like a long. A long rule yeah, <laughs> for no. her. I could see I, it even more specifically ahead, mirroring the king uh, Ares death, like uh, maybe even like Jamie storming the castle moment in her in some kind of panic of Jamie killing right. her. I could see him even arguing to that level of like uh, mirroring. I could see that even going that far because 
I, I would I would hope so because it kind of makes this plot line more interesting, and it, I think it I think it helps quite a bit um, with what's happening there and like the evils. Like she has to get her comeuppance. I'm sorry, guys. If they were able to hold off killing the High Sparrow all, all this season, they're gonna be able to hold off Jamie killing her. Oh all yeah. This season. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah like, I think she I, is gonna I, I die, agree. but I don't think she's gonna die until the end of the season. I predict right. that Jamie is going to kill her partly for the reason that maybe she refuses to surrender to to Danny when she comes. Uh, yeah, to, to claim I agree. The throne. It, and he Danny sees is definitely going to put. And that's what choice. I think that Danny's going to be the fulfillment Danny's gonna of put the pressure on them and everything. So I think I think you guys are all right. They're going to wait until the think, end of the I think, season. I think the but, thing is, I disagree with you, Sean. That it's going to be over really, really fast. Like Cersei is is a being that Danny is ill-equipped to handle in her own way. Like, you know, no one can take Danny on, but, like, the point is, is, like, you know, no one is, like, Cersei, and, like, I, like, I don't think Danny even understands an individual that just doesn't have, like, goals outside of power. Yeah, like, you're, not, kinda... you're not wrong, but, like, look how isolated Cersei is. Like, Danny's got, like, fucking dragons. She's got, like, her Dothraki horde. She's got the Tyrells and the Martells. She's got, like, she's she so has a support group. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with that. Like, it looks absolutely fucking hopeless for them. But like, let's let's step back ahead and here and be and realize like, what's gonna happen is like, is Danny is gonna go down there and and no, not Danny, but Cersei's gonna use that wittiness. It's like Danny's gonna be in a powered position the whole season, but she's just gonna hold it there. Maybe a siege of King's Landing or something. But like, Cersei's just gonna be able to like tear it up inside politically. Hopefully, I mean, depending on how things go, um, it may maybe not beginning because there's not a lot of characters active in the Dorne and fucking uh, Tyrell plot lines because like they're all fucking dead <laughs> so maybe you're right i don't i don't actually know what she could possibly do but at the same time i just thematically for me it's so interesting to see danny and cersei on opposite sides of the coin and i can't imagine they're not going to play with that for a season also like just having danny deal with the great game is probably going to be the whole point of it and having cersei be i mean at least politically savvy to some extent to give Danny like some form of challenge before she finally kicks the bucket. Sure. Yeah. Probably kicks the bucket in a brutal way that ends up killing all of King's Landing. Most likely. <laughs> yeah. Like that's 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 exactly what I see happening. And then, and like she tries to blow up King's Landing and then like Jamie has to kill her again to stop it from happening. Well. So Jamie has to kill two kings, a king and a queen, but this time the queen is his lover, who is also his sister, which that is thematic as fuck, and I'm, I'm putting my prediction down on that now. <laughs> Cersei tries to blow up King's Landing in, in a Pyrrhic victory, and Jamie kills her. Fair. I don't know if there's more wildfire under King's Landing, but we will see. We will see. Well, speaking of speaking of Jamie, let's go ahead and, and swap to his uh, his uh, story arc this episode. Uh, we're going to talk about Jamie in the phrase. Uh, yeah, so you see how I did that in the show notes? I totally planned out that transition. <laughs> Boom! Jack ruining every transition. Ruining every that's transition. my that's my call sign. Call, well, call that, that if you want to kind of talk us talk to us about what what happened with his storyline. Uh, yeah, uh, hold, holding pattern is sort of a similar theme here. It was uh, it was important to get Jamie out of the city while Cersei did her big blow up -y stuff. But uh, it was still a somewhat interesting storyline, basically. Jamie is cast out of King's Landing by his own son, the king, Tommen, uh, for various reasons. And uh, he's told to go take back... Uh, uh, sorry, I forgot the castle. 
River Run. Am I right? River Run. River Run. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, from the Blackfish, who escaped from the Red Wedding and took hold of the castle. Jamie gets there, he meets the Blackfish. Uh, he convinces Edward Tully to surrender the castle. The Blackfish refuses, he dies, and Jamie learns a bit of a valuable lesson about knighthood and honor while also meeting Brienne for the last, probably last time, I would argue, and then goes home to King's Landing to find that everything is on fire. <laughs> and after he leaves, of course, which we'll talk about later, all the phrase get murdered, so Jamie's not having the best uh, day. Yeah. That, that like, Donald Glover gif from Community was never so well well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was never so well used as like JB coming home to King's Landing and being like, "No, fuck." <laughs> the one where they made the fire green was pretty wonderful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that I think we all had to see coming too. Because like, I feel like every time Cersei's kind of been on her own and isolated, like just shit, shit goes to hell. Um, but I do think it was an interesting season for Jamie in the sense that you know he he started the season right, kind of. It was, it was such a sad moment at the very end of the last season, right, where, where he's there with Marcella, and he and she finally kind of, like, comes to terms with the fact that, like, he's, he's her dad, and they have that really sweet moment, and then she literally dies in the same scene. Right there. <laughs> so, like, right there. Yeah, so, so, so Jamie wasn't doing too well to begin with. Um, like, it was, it was the most sweetest moment in his entire character arc. And then death! And like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, redemption, but fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was kind of happy with how, how it went. Like, uh, particularly the scene with, uh, you know, with, with his relationship with him and Brienne, where he, you know, no one really respects him as a, as a true knight, but you could kind of see Brienne kind of getting to that point uh, in that scene, which I kind of appreciated. It's, you know, it was weird. I was kind of rooting for Jamie a lot this season. So, <laughs> Jamie's uh, always been an interesting character for that reason. He's, he's the most famous sort of turnaround character that when you more and more about him and the tragedy that is Jamie. Go ahead, Jenna. Oh, I was going to just say that that's what's so interesting is he, his honor was completely taken away because he killed the Mad King and saved all these people. And then he returns to King Landing after we've seen all this character growth and development and you start to feel empathy for him. And all of a sudden he's going to have to not only, you know, kill another uh, kill another royalty, kill the queen, but it's also his twin sister who he loves more than anything. Like, it's really interesting, but it's sad, too, because he can never escape his reputation. No, it's very yeah. much so. I think that's one of the things that makes him so interesting and why thematically it feels th so right that he's to be a king and queen slayer and that the queen would have to be his sister. It's sort of the ultimate fate of that person. He's such an interesting character, right, for that reason, and that he's both beloved and hated for everything that he did for the king. Everyone knew King Ares had to die, but nobody wanted to be the one to kill him. And so it's sort yeah. of this interesting thing where Jamie is sort of yeah, like the EU exactly. for UK. It's just like... A, it's always Jamie's fault, you know, even when it's not. <laughs> oh, topical! Oh, Brexit! <laughs> Jokes! Yeah, the, uh, I mean, I think the thing that's always been an, an issue for me with Jamie is that since he lost his hand, Hello? I have always, like, highly, not identified with Jamie, but, like, I've always rooted for him. And I think that's a big issue is that I was, especially since they made him a buddy cop pair with, like, Brent, <laughs> with, like, Braun. I mean, they're funny! They're yeah. funny, they're likable, they're lovable. They're so lovable that what, that they made made everyone else in Dorne look like tits. So, like, when, like, finally they, like, kill the Prince of Dorne, I'm just like, that fucking sucks. 
Like that that really that just fucking sucks. Like you know, and and it's it's because like I do not like the Dornish and I do not like anything about them. And more so, I think it's because like I just identify them as being villains. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, sure. and yeah, you're right. It's a difference between a story told well and a story that's frustrating in its uh, narrative pace. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why we had so much empathy for him in the scene where where he and and Walter Frey are having their little meal there at the very end. Uh, you know, you kind of get that moment where where Walter's like, "Oh, we're pretty much the same. Like, we're both kind of kingslayers in a way." And, like everyone at, this, at that moment, I think, who's watching the show is just like, "No, you're not the same." <laughs> you kind of feel really bad for Jamie there, um, but that's how everybody in the Seven Kingdoms views him, right? So you kind of it was kind of an interesting scene in that way too, where you kind of get that insight uh, into what you know what his reputation is and how bad it is, where it's like, "Oh, you're on par with Walter fucking Frey." Right, right, right. That's exact. Yeah. I love that moment. I love that's such a good moment because. Because you're just like you're like I mean in reality to the common person you probably he probably is and you're like uh, I I I just like it's so surprising to see like you're, you're like because like he's done such a turnaround in my eyes and I think that the showrunners are very smart about that they did it probably a little bit too early because I would have liked him being this bad guy snooping around Dorn would have been a really a better because um, that's the issue with, with like when Sean Bean was on the show he was like this unassailable like white knight and since they've done a, such a great job of tarnishing it and he's like so bad that you're just like you can't help but root for him because he's sort of rehabilitated in his own way he's like my honor is beyond stain but now there's all these like really good reasons why why he stained his honor originally and everyone told him he's bad and so that's why he has to act bad and be this bad i, I mean he's, he's such a great interesting character and i think that's just all being translated weirdly from george R. R. martin and the showrunners don't necessarily know how to like make him both this bad guy and good guy all at one time and so unfortunately we've gone kind of like like the good Jamie because it's ultimately aiming to have that payoff with Cersei where he kills her and you're like you feel why he's doing it like he's not doing it because he's an asshole he's doing it because like uh, you know sorry uh, fuck he's doing it because like he you know he loves her and like there's all this other complicated shit so they're complicating him to make the pay they're, they're like the, the big thing with King's Landing is they've uncomplicated King's Landing and they've made him very complicated. They've uncomplicated Cersei and made him very like Cersei's just becoming pure evil, and they're making him very, very, very good. Right, and that's why I feel yeah. like you know, we'll talk about with Winterfell, but why you know we felt that Ramsay was going to die was because he was just a one note for a while. It was like yeah, he's evil, he's evil, he's evil. Like there was no dimension to him after a certain point so we kind of okay he has to just be a thing to be conquered and i feel like cersei might be in the same place and that's why jamie feels like the more likely one to come out alive of the two because you're right like this right. season was all about like jamie really realizing his honor was lost i mean it's sort of the thing with the the books a little more elegant with him going to the riverlands and meeting the people and things but you just can't ever do that in the show it just takes too long you know, it's something you need to just slowly realize. And this was a good way to kind of be like, all right, here's two people who are very honorable. You stood up for what they believe. And, you know, Walter Frey throws it in your face that he thinks he's as good as you and that's like the biggest rat bastard in the world. Um, right. And, and what are you going to do about that? 
What are you going to do confronting these That's, three things? Yeah, he'll 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 live until uh, Arya kills him. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not next <laughs> season after that. <laughs> I loved I loved the like the Arya with the face like I fucking him. You know, like oh yeah, like like it, it's like it, after like Arya's revealed, it's such a good moment because you're like oh that Loatris wasn't I fucking him and she was I killing him. Yeah, like, it's like amazing. You're like, next, just, motherfucker. Like it, it was just like such a and that's the thing is like Arya enjoy. Well, we'll get to Arya in a minute, but she was enjoying that so much and you're just like it's not just the waitress eye fucking you but she's like actually taking literal enjoyment from the from the hunt to kill jamie oh yeah like like <laughs> she's taking she's taking like distinctual almost sexual satisfaction from the hunt which is i think the most disturbing fact about her we'll get to this in a minute but like i was just like Fuck. Or the most wonderful. <laughs> when she kills, when she kills Walder, and she's just like, and he's just like gurgling at his last, and she's just like, she's like almost like doing like an orgasm eye roll. I'm just like, oh god, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Right, that was okay. a character transition. Fuck. But before we get we get to Arya, we've got we got a couple more plot lines to go through. So uh, I think next up we've got the Hound, and we're, there's not a whole lot to talk about here. But uh, Trevor, if you just want to kind of give us the brief uh, synopsis what happened there um yeah sure so we get this uh teaser pre-credit sequence um that was one of the more we talked about kind of fan servicey feeling moments of the the season in which it's revealed that he the hound is still alive and uh is uh licking his wounds as it were um nursing himself back to health with this uh group of uh, very very hippie-ish um just just um enclave of um of Septon's, um, in the, um, in the, um, I, I'm not actually sure where they were located, but, uh, und- uh, disputed lands, uh, where the Brotherhood, Brotherhood Without Banners, um, roams I around. believe they were in the Riverlands um, as well, but I don't quote me. Riverlands. Yeah, okay. they were outside of Heron Hall, actually. Right. Um, just trying to build their own society of, uh, exiles, um, sort of, essentially. Um, just wanting nothing to do with the politics of, um, of the realm quite reasonably and um their leader tries to bring the hound into this uh, community and tell him that he really um can kind of make a uh, like make a second life for himself away from all the violence that he's known and uh, the hound just when he starts to buy into it sees um the entire community the leader included uh, slaughtered mercilessly by uh, a few of the less uh less conscientious brothers without banners so he goes to find him to try and avenge him and he meets up with the brotherhood uh, finding that they're already planning to hang these uh, <laughs> these three unconscionable uh, individuals and um it just kind of ends there actually it felt really <laughs> yeah. odd to uh, bring the hound back into this season as um anything more than a teaser for the whole game bowl thing uh, which then we find out immediately afterward is not going to happen because Tommen says there's no more trial by combat <sighs> anymore. And just for move. them to do this but in a pre-credit Tommen's sequence. Dead now, so as as is um, Bernie Sanders. So all right, right, not that it matters. Game both <laughs> happening, just not I mean, in the way we all pictured. I think it will happen. Yes. 
I, it'll have. I mean, it's gonna. There's no reason to bring him back than to have some sort of comeuppance. I mean, I don't see it happening in some trial by combat. Being that, like, let's be honest. Like, Cersei's already setting up her secret police, so like yeah. anyone that comes against her is just gonna get a knife in the back. Yeah. So like, I have, I have no doubt that like something, like something else will happen in terms of like the way it'll happen. Like they'll storm the Red Keep or there'll be some sort of vengeance. Uh, oh, you know what? That'd be an interesting thing if there was like an army of the seven that's like trying to take vengeance from Cersei and Danny. like tries to ally with them and then they kind of come <laughs> in and you know, he's like, you know, it's like all a big problem for Danny. Sorry, this is just a very- uh, I'm still waiting for just, that uh, Arya wolf army that we were promised from yep. the fans. Yeah. <laughs> Nymeria just shows up. She's like the total Deus Ex Machina. Boom! Nymeria with an army of yes. wolves. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I, I agree, Trevor. It was frustrating to see the, the hound come back and realize it's all just set up. I hope it's interesting set up, but it also does wonder, like, why well, was it this season? Because... Yeah, well, I mean, the, the one thing what, what struck me with that whole scene is the, the thing that they kept coming back to is... Uh, you know, Septon Ray, who uh, was, what was, it, what was it, Ian McShane? Was the name? Uh, what a waste of Ian McShane. <laughs> I love, you did a great job. But um, but the one thing that they kept, like, harping back on in that, in the whole time with him is, uh, you know, that, oh, the only reason that I'm still alive is because I wanted to have vengeance on my brother. Uh, and that was what kept me, and what, what get, kind of gave me the will to live. So I, if they don't have like some sort of confrontation, like I would be absolutely shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that I, I hate. I hate it when Game of Thrones does this sometimes. When there's like characters just made to die to deliver like a rousing speech to another character. I mean, he was definitely designed like that. He's like, oh, you have troubles with your brother as well. Really? <laughs> that was my. Uh... <laughs> it's almost like you were designed to talk to the house. Right, right. That was my problem with this season up until the uh, up until the uh, King's Landing moment. My problem with the season was like every death didn't feel as consequential as it used to. And Ian McShane's a good example. It's like, well, we can't kill a major character, so let's bring like a famous actor, and he'll get killed. And like, it's more shocking that Ian McShane dies rather than this character you've all known and beloved. And Ramsey's death was not shocking at all. It's like, is this season had a lot less shocking death than I think we're used to? I don't know if it's. It had. I mean, you knew at the end of Bastard Bowl somebody was had to to die. Right. And so the best outcome is that Ramsey did die. So it's but just none like, of the uh, I mean, people in his team died. None. We'll get there. But you know, no be, one in his team died. Exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it would have been more shocking because, you know, the shocking thing would have been if John had died again. That would have been shocking. <laughs> so, like, it, because, the, because the thing that's supposed to happen, like, because that's the thing is Game of Thrones tends to subvert, like, the fairy tale medieval quest, as it were. And the fact that Bastard happens pretty fucking straightforward. We're going to get this in the next episode, but the fact that Bastard happens pretty straightforward. Um, it's not anywhere near. It's not very Game of Thronesy when when well, he dies. Well, that's why it's, I, it's Game of Thronesy in terms of Sansa. They they twist it with Sansa and having a major character reveal for her about her becoming more like Baelish and kind of her own path down the dark side. But like you know, all the characters have their own little paths to the dark side, as it were. Arya and Sansa and Jon and all of them. So it's 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 funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the, the season in general, especially like this, is a good example of Sandra Clegane. It does feel like. We're transitioning from book to show. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have the tyranny of the books anymore. We can do our own thing. And it definitely feels like the pace is insanely fast. Like, that's one thing 
most obvious about the season is like the pace was ridiculous. Everyone was time warping everywhere. It used to be just Littlefinger had the magic power. Now everybody has it. It's not even patented anymore. It's over the counter time travel. And uh, and also, I think a lot more stuff with like, the fans want to see. You know, it's not to the point of fan service, I think, but there is a little bit of that there. And it feels like Santa Clegane is a character we all love, and he's such a great character, and he dies in such a weird, awkward way, because that's sometimes how famous people die. Sometimes they die in weird, awkward ways. But, you know, it's too bad. We want to see him again. He might be that guy in the book, and we want to see Clegane Bowl. And, like, maybe that does happen in the books, and I'm all bullshit, but, like, it definitely feels like more of a show. And it's not a bad thing. You have to get to a point where, if Game Zones is just depressing for the entire run, I don't think I would leave it being happy. It's nice to see more winning and more interesting things, but it's also to the point where, like, yeah, it does feel like it's more of for fans. I don't know. That's not well, the bait of inhabitants. after um, when when he confronts the mountain and goes, "This has been a long time coming. I'm gonna lose my mind." Watch that happen, like, and like they're gonna tease it, and they're gonna see each other, and someone's just gonna stab Hound in the brain and just kill him, and like some random character will be like, "Oh." Yeah, I would like. I would actually prefer that to like this happening because Game of Thrones is getting kind of predictable. To some extent, it's more predictable it's in terms of like at least in John because like I, at some point like John, ex- I expect John to win on some level, and he's winning a lot now, and I just expect him to kind of come together. So I mean, and I'm no, I know that they're <laughs> gonna subvert me in different ways, but they're not gonna subvert me until the big subversion. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I think I mean if you look at how depressing freaking last season was, like we needed a season where like our heroes like had a couple of victories, right? Did like, something, yeah, I know. yeah. I so, think I mean, ironically, one of the most unpredictable parts of the season was how predictable Dorne was. And a lot of people were saying that the segments with that this season made it feel like oh. it was just taken from a different show that was Trevor, a lot more cliche. Trevor, Trevor, you, Trevor you are, got, you, are you, you trying to do a transition? Yes, goddammit, just get there! <laughs> Thank you, Trevor. Are you going to let me let it go? <laughs> Jump on it! Quick, to the transition <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was great. Uh, can can Littlefinger have a Littlefinger mobile next season, please? No, uh, Littlefinger will be a Littlefinger. Oh my god, the tangents. Alright, Jenna, do you want to talk to us about Door? Sure. Um, so just briefly, we in this season we've already seen all of the TV show version of the Dornish royal family just brood brutally like butchered by the sand snakes um and then in the final episode we see something i predicted which i was super excited about but the queen of thorns um is meeting up to create an alliance with the sand snakes um and there was a lot of like fan service too in that like in that scene because you know she's very very snarky with the sand snakes (laughs) um and just kind of cutting them down which is a good thing because they they definitely are pretty brutal. Um, and then at the very end of this scene, we have a very mysterious appearance by Varys, who just comes and says the Targaryen words. Um, and then that kind of leads to the impression that they're going to all, you know, unite behind Danny um, and bring more of that like female empowerment, since the Sand Snakes already have that going for them. And then with Danny coming and the Targaryen words and all that. And then Varys teleports across the sea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't. I I I am like convinced that Danny's already there because of the banners. Yeah, so there I'm, are. I'm pretty sure there are Martell banners on some of the ships in her fleet in the last scene. 
Yeah, so oh, she no. was the one who transported. She she tra- she teleported on her dragons. Not varies. Okay, like there's there's some logic to it. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still convinced there's some various teleportation going on. But um, one of the things that kind of struck me about this whole scene is that you know I, I'm not like really like I I know the the Game of Thrones lore a little bit, but the reason there is that kind of tension between the Tyrells and the Martells is they've been historically. Uh, at odds with each other, uh, kind of throughout uh, throughout the ages, um, and in fact, the uh, the Dornish had killed like one of the Martells, and as soon as uh, you know, I guess the kind of going back way back, uh, Dorn used to be an independent kingdom from like the Seven Kingdoms, and the Martells were the wardens of the South, and there was a whole lot of like warring back and forth between. Uh, those two areas, so it was kind of interesting, similar to how Cersei had kind of been isolated and kind of had to do things that she normally wouldn't do. Um, you saw the same thing with Elena having to go to like her historical enemy and kind of forge an alliance, which I thought was interesting. But I think that's what the whole like Game of Thrones is about is, you know, you have to kind of like figure out how you're going to keep your family alive. And so no matter what you have to like, you do whatever it takes. Um, so I, I think that's why it wasn't so surprising to me because historically they're in conflict, but at the same time, like this whole world is being turned upside down and you never know like who, who's on top until that very moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was an impressive call. I would, I, would, I certainly would not have called it. That was, that was great. Um, do we have any just quick thoughts on where, like where that's going to go I, I, uh, I f- next season? I feel like we've probably run the game in that Dorn. I don't know, we'll see. But it felt like that last episode was so much like, we all know you hate Dorn, right? Right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like they've Those combined them with the Tyrells and, and Danny, and now it's just one big blob of invaders. You know, I don't think we're going to as much singular identity from Dorn. And if there is any sort of plot, they're probably going to be wiped out pretty quickly. I mean, I think it was more the idea they thought it was cool to have an invader army of women leaders. I think that's what they really thought was cool. They were like, let's just get yeah. so there's a bunch of women who are attacking a female queen. Um, is there any kind of queen? Um, and that, I think, was what they are going for. I don't think they really care about Dorne anymore. I think they're kind of done with it, at least in terms of the overall plot. It's just going to be another part of the story. And I don't think Dorne's going to be as much mattered anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's it's similar to what happened with like the uh, the Boltons up north, because like as soon as Roos died, he was like the one kind of power player who was kind of doing strategic moves. Similarly, like once uh, Doran Martell was gone, like you know what, I just don't see like the Sand because the Sand Snakes are so motivated by vengeance, right? Like they're just kind of one dimensional characters, kind of like how uh, Ramsay Bolton is. So I, I I agree with you that. They're, they're, they're just not like they're, they're not there aren't enough elements of them to like make them strike me as like sticking around very long. Um, but in any event, I guess we will see what happens. But uh, let's let's go ahead and move on. Um, we've got to talk about Sam's journey. Uh, so if uh, Sarah, you want to kind of take us away on what happened there, it'd be awesome. Yes, indeedy. Well, there were um, two, I guess, main points to Sam's journey this season. The first being his and Gilly's stop at Horn Hill, which is um, Sam's, you know, childhood home, which was really big and beautiful and much more of a, a place than I was expecting. But um, that was pretty cool. And, um, you know, we meet Sam's lovely mother and lovely sister and his complete asshole of a father who probably 
rivals <laughs> like Joffrey in terms of assholery. Just about. Yeah. And um, basically, he says to Sam, you think you can bring this, you know, wildling girl and her bastard child into my home? You know, get the fuck out. You're not my son. This and that. And Sam does leave and protects Gilly and takes her with him and takes his dad's sword, which is pretty cool and is absolutely going to come into play later on with it being Valyrian steel and so forth. And then fast forward to the last episode, and he shows up at the Maester's, um, what is it, Grand Citadel, I guess, mm-hmm. which arguably the main point of that was to show all of the White Ravens being released, um, to say that winter is in fact here. But uh, Sam gets to have his bell from Beauty and the Beast moment in their gorgeous library, <laughs> and it's all very sweet and charming. And Sam is just a precious cinnamon roll who must be protected at all costs. So, yeah, guys, take it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was kind of interesting to see the, uh, you know, he was kind of traveling around a lot more. And, like, these are two areas that we haven't seen so far in the Game of Thrones universe. We've never been to Horn Hill and we had never been to Old Town. So I, I thought it was cool in that sense that we just got to see a little bit more of the universe and just how freaking pretty like some of these set locations are. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it, 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 it. This is another line where there just wasn't, you know, it was an important kind of journey for him. But I think like the most important stuff has yet to go in terms of like what's going to go on there with like the maesters of the citadel and like what he learns. But I think like it, it, everyone's probably on the same page that he has to like research the White Walkers and like how to kind of freaking defeat these guys. Yeah, yeah. It was. Have you guys? Go have ahead, you Jenna. seen the the really? There's a weird like thing going around the internet about um the things hanging from the library are those same golden like spinny things you see in the yeah. opening sequence, and yeah. I think that has so much potential. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and there's like, a part so where cool. like uh, it looks like someone is flipping magnifying glasses, and the maesters have the same kind yes. of. Uh, magnifying glasses yeah. on their face. Yeah, like, it's sort of an interesting uh, idea that what... Sam might even be the sort of um, end of the Lord of the Rings-style writer of the series that we've all been right. watching kind of oh idea. Oh my gosh, the, that would be so great! He, he might be the one and who's he's watched like it the, all. He's like the Grand Maester at the end of it to John. I mean, that's the thing, he would be the Grand Maester if John became king. I always kind of love that. Kind of always sat in the back of my mind is that he's just he's still John's maester no matter where John is. I don't know. Yeah. I, like that was always like that was always like a cute moment for me. He's like he's Samwise again. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's one of it's one of George R. R. Martin's less um, I don't know subtle illusions. Right, yeah. and I, I think the fact that he has Valyrian steel <laughs> in the hall makes absolutely the thing. And I think the big. My prediction, I think, is that he's going to figure out a way to recreate Valyrian steel. It's this sort of thing that was lost for years. You can only make it with dragon fire. Guess what? Are coming to Westeros, bunch of dragons. And I have a, I have a big prediction here. If you can, if you guys will just like let me go through it for just two seconds. Sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So, here's my thing. I, I've always been thinking about the ways the books are going to diverge from the show, and the show is going off in its own direction. Like this is happening now. Like the books. I think that they're going to diverge the show quite considerably from the books to allow the books to be their own thing, to continue to get new readers all the time. I mean, there's different reasons, but I do think the shows are going to diverge that. And I'm like, how are they going to pare down the plot lines? One of the elements in the books is that, you know, as soon as Sam gets there and talks about Danny, like one of the maesters who is a mage, or, or, you know, Game of Thrones equivalent, 
goes off immediately to give, you know, he's he's got a, he's actually got a a Valyrian ring in his collar, which means that he's he's studied in magic, which is one of the last uh, maesters to do that. And he goes off to to offer um, Danny his counsel, and that's not come to pass in the books yet. But I'm wondering if they're going to combine that character as a semi thing into. Um, Samwise, like, sorry. <laughs> I did it again. Um, Sam, in terms of, like, having him study things, realize something, and then goes to Danny. Like, he, I wonder if Sam... Because here's the thing, like, I'm, I, I'm imagining that Bran is going to reveal the greater elements of Rhaegar and, like, the prince that was promised and have all that stuff be tied into him. But I think Sam might reveal some of the mechanics of what's happening and then might go offer his ser- not offer his services, but go need something from Danny or make Valyrian's deal and need dragons to do it, and then goes to Danny once she's in the south. Again, you have to realize Sam is technically by the te- start of next season, since you know Old Town and the Tyrells have an alliance with Danny. Sam is in Old Town in the Tyrell territory. Danny's gonna beat it. <laughs> like, Dan- like Danny, the launching off point is she gets you know she'll come through Dorne, go up north, and there'll be a grand host. I imagine they would do it around Old Town, and that would be just an element. And I think that we might see a convergence of Sam's plot lines onto Danny, leading back to John. Right, yeah, I could see that because uh, Old Town is like I think the like the biggest city in the in the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, it is. It is. So I, yeah. that it's, would be it's a, a centralized to... control point. It would be the most, and especially if Dorne. And Tyrells are together. It would be the logical choice since it's closer to Dorne than Highgarden. Right. I feel like she's using an old I, town I, or Dragonstone first to reclaim her homeland. Like that'd be the most obvious. I'm just going straight for King's Landing. You think she's going to go to Dragonstone? That would be a weird tactical choice from my. Perspective. I think she just wants her homeland back. Yeah, it may be less of a tactical choice, more like this is where I was born. And it's easy I mean, to take. I, really I mean, who's dis- there? Just watch Stannis' life. I think Tyrion. Go I ahead, disagree John. with you. I disagree with that so much because she's like she's completely cutting out her own humanity with like Dario and everything. She's mm-hmm. not. She's not um, emotional at all right now. She's being driven by like power and and taking back control of her family land, not her own history. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's the situation at all. Well, I think she still has to have like a, a rightful claim you know I think she still kind of right. cares about the westeros's uh rules and the like i mean maybe she won't when she gets around how fucked everything is but uh she still like is talking to Tyrion and keeping him long she thinks she needs to play the game of thrones and so i think reclaiming dragonstone is a big part of saying this is my ancestral homeland it was taken from me stannis is a dummy and he's dead and now it's mine and uh, I have a rightful heir to the throne, and then she'll storm things like that. And that's more my thing of like her trying to. Play I, and I want to. I don't want to get us too into 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 Danny because we, we we have a little segment about her at the very end. Um, but let's let's go ahead and kind of move to Arya because uh, uh, there's a lot going on with her, and I think a lot of us had actually predicted that Arya was gonna, or at least Jack had predicted that Arya was gonna like meet up with Danny at some point. Um, but Jack, if you just kind of want to take us through uh, Arya's storyline. Uh, yeah, so it's more of the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's more, um, it's more training montage for most of the season, but it accelerates very, very, very quickly when we get we get the introduction of Lady Crane and just kind of da- like this is essentially her final choice. At the end of last season, they blinded her, um, 
because she went off and killed somebody. So it, it, Arya is is vacillating between like two extremes of like being a killer for killing's sake, and that's kind of the decision. And she's like, or is she being a killer directed by the goals of her own personality? So this was the final um, stone in terms of choosing personality. But to get there, like at the end of last season, she was just enjoying killing, and she'd gone too far as a killer, so they blinded her, and then she had to kind of go through humility training. Essentially, I don't know. It's it's, it's definitely more complicated. <laughs> But then, the, then eventually that comes out of it, and then they go through the more training, and then they here's a killing somebody that's not related to you as a person. You just follow the actual god who gives you these abilities. Or, you know, the sect of the order or whatever. And she questions it because it's Lady Crane. She seems like a very, very nice, upstanding lady, even though she talks about, like, slicing a lady's face off later. You know, you know <laughs> good for Game of, Stone, Game of Thrones standards, shall we say. Um, which is kind of... Actually, if you've noticed in all the major Stark children and characters descending rather rapidly, except for Jamie. Jamie is always here, <laughs> which is why he has secretly become the only hero in Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, no, I'm just joking. Sort of. There's 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 something there. Um, it, it might develop. We'll see. But the point is, is that Arya eventually, um, you know, gets challenged by the wave, gets stabbed up. Um, Lady Crane helps her. Unfortunately, Lady Crane, for helping her, dies by the waif, who is just enjoying killing like way too much. And I think that's the thing: is she's she's a foil to Arya, killing for killing's sake, versus killing for your vengeance and killing for yourself as a person, killing directedly. And then um, she kills the waif, and that's the payment to the to the. Uh, it's essentially like payment. There's a face up on the wall, and so it's like payment because you know the fucking faceless men have such weird goddamn rules. Um, and as such, she go- she goes back to Westeros, and then she very famously um, finally gets the comeuppance onto Walder Frey, oh, so where she it's so good. She bakes his children oh. into fucking meat pies, <laughs> which is just which is just the most brutal goddamn thing that I've seen in Game of Thrones. I'm it's up there yeah. in terms of just the most brutal fucking things. Um, and then she slices her throat and orgasms as she does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was classic it's, Hannibal. It's not, <laughs> it's not super subtle. Like you know, th- I know it's me saying orgasm, so you're like, oh, Jack's making a joke. Not really <laughs> here. Like she very visibly enjoys it and kind of shakes a little as he like gurgles through his throat like it's it's kind of there yeah like, that must have been thematic. a really uh a really weird like interact uh, interaction between like <laughs> the, the director and fucking macy Williams. like here's what, you, here's what you gotta do <laughs> so if you ever she's he like he's like probably like i'm not gonna lie like like she's been on this show long enough that this director's probably had like a birds and the bee discussion with macy Williams. <laughs> like she grew up on there like he's like nah you're a teenager now so you know what orgasms are go have one <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god damn it! It's like a porn. There's like a guy in the back. He's like, "You're gonna warm her up, right? Let's do oh, this." God. I think it's a little more oh, subtle no. than that. I think he like coaxed well, it out. Right? She was, "I'm fucking Jamie." Like it was inevitable, right? Like that was. Mm, yeah. I, I, it... <laughs> I'm sorry. Like the the lady who she was like playing as was like super hot, and I was just like, she was gorgeous. She was. Right, I was like, I was like, who is that actress? You guys need to make her a mainliner, Jesus. Exactly, and that's what I was hoping she was going to become. I was hoping that was not Arya when I was watching. I was hoping it was not Arya, so I could see more of her. And then, of course, I have the contrast of like being like, oh my gosh, this woman is gorgeous. Till I have Walder Frey's blood spurting everywhere. It was horrible, horrible. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say her her makeup game. 
game, according to Katie, was really good too because the contouring on her face was really well done. Sorry, just yeah. aside from Katie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, Katie's 100% correct. Right. She awesome. just has those large cheekbones. I don't know. I, I just found her like, you know, there's funny when you run into medieval times and it's like everyone looks like shit, like Walter Frey. And maybe that's the thing is she's like next to Walter Frey the whole time. So you're like, that chick is hot. That's true. <laughs> yeah, we're comparing her to Archie's yeah. His face. His face looks like a toilet. <laughs> Shit on a couple times. So um, what? what so we give this me is beautiful like actress still... uh, credit. Her name is Sabrina Bartlett. She's also been in Doctor Who. <laughs> has she really? She oh. has. Episode Robot of the Show. <laughs> you got British for the Who. I love She's it. Doctor Who. There you go. Has she really? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I lived in the UK oh for two years. Gosh. All right. I know, I know, but it's just—it's the same way with Katie. She has no accent, and then you, she'll, we'll talk about, like, we'll go watch Google Box, and she'll be like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> you should hear me Skype with my best friend in Scotland. My my Scottish accent comes back. It's pretty weird. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. She's in period what? pieces, and she is banging in a dress. Jesus, <laughs> just Jesus. Man, that bustier does wonders. So, Sorry. look forward to our podcast on Nightfall, her next TV show, because Billy Roll <laughs> want to see more of her. Obviously. Good. I mean, okay, so I did not predictions for Arya. I think the thing that's scary about Arya from a narrative standpoint is that she seems to have teleporting killing abilities. Yes. <laughs> like, we also to, like... We don't know like how the fucking faces work yet. Like, does she just have like a like a fucking satchel bag of faces? I would love she has a bag of faces. Did that actress get skinned somewhere? Is she? Is there just like a trail of like bodies without faces? Like, Probably. <laughs> that's some brutal ass shit. Like, how did she get the? What if she wears Walter Frey's face? Oh god! Oh Frey's face. That would be amazing. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, because there was nobody else there when she killed that's me. Yeah, right. she, could tech, she could pull it off. Oh, that's a good prediction. That was unique. <laughs> I really, I would really like that, actually. That would be I great. just thought and of especially, that. Especially, like, if Walter Frey pops up at the Capitol next season. Hey, and you're just like, Walter Frey, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> we all will know, and he'll right. just be sitting there next to Sansi and, like, sorry, and he'll start, like, smiling weirdly at Cersei, and you're just like, no! That's such a great moment because it's just like you can see like she's the king and you can see it just like within Arya's grasp and you're just like oh it's just slit her throat. <laughs> if nothing else, that would be great because I do actually really like that actor. To see yeah, him do that would be very fish. gratifying. I really, I really, I really would enjoy baking Cersei into a pie. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know who you'd feed it to. I just enjoy the like the. I don't know. I just enjoy. Well, it. I mean, the only reason that happened was obviously because of the Rat King story that Bran told back yes. in season three or whatever it was. Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful when it happened. And, it's a great turnaround for a. And I'm glad yeah. the show took a little restraint. The show's never been the best at like sometimes it'll be very obvious things. Are like, hey, you that guy who did that thing? Remember we talked about that two seasons ago, but no one remembers this. Like, mm-hmm. it, they did a good job of not being like, let me tell you the Rat King story one more time. Like, it was, yeah. it's nice that if you've seen the show and recognize it, you recognize it. No, like, that scene, I, I won't lie, you... I was legitimately 100% surprised when Arya, like, pulled off the face. When I and, saw that pie, was... I just knew. I was like, oh, no. Oh, oh no. Was... Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
One hundred percent. It pulls back the. It, she starts pulling back the top, and I was like, "The only reason she's gonna pull back." Oh my god! Because there's people <laughs> in it. <laughs> it right. is a really great moment. Um, predictions about who she's gonna kill next, though. I, I wonder if she's gonna meet Melisandre, because Melisandre once famously said that she saw Arya and says, "We will meet one more time." And mm-hmm. Melisandre is on her own. She's gonna be traveling south. I think she might just run into Arya. It might meet her. Ooh, that'd be interesting. <sighs> Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there has to be a purpose for Melisandre going going south, but that would be could be interesting. I don't know. That's the thing with Arya is like you never know because she she hasn't she hasn't really like explained what her agenda is other than like killing the people on her list. And the only the only yeah. people that I can think of that are still on her list are like the Lannisters, right? So it, her plot motivations are the same really... as uh, the character from Rick and Morty. Uh, uh, here I go killing again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I would really like her to get some more agency and character development. I would really like her to have like a question or like be motivated to kill Danny in some way and then actually like seriously question why she would do that. I mean, I just would I would like I, I, I want something else to happen in Arius. I, I, I really have loved her descent, but pretty much with the death of Walder Frey, I'm like, nah, she's hard as shit. Like you guys can't take her like darker do you know what i mean like she just like she just like went full monty on like killing him like we're, we're talking like some shakespearean bake people into pies shit yeah. here <laughs> like you know you can't take her darker that was great but now they're not going to have that and they're not going to do another moment like that with um with Cersei, so like you know, what's gonna happen? And that's the thing is, I feel like I feel like there's a lot that you know, you people are like, oh yeah, you know, Danny's just gonna wreck shop when she comes into Westeros. No, like it's gonna be a lot of things are gonna go down. There's a lot of things that happen. It's nice now because like. Pretty much next season is going to be really shocking because, like, it's all main characters from here on out, which is a nice thing. <laughs> like, it's all, it's all like, everyone's, like, in play in Westeros, and you're just like, shit, like, this is really it, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So I have no idea what they're going to do with her because they could literally do anything. Yeah. Well, like she could go. She could go north and kill White Walkers. I would not be surprised. She's going to the Well, let, let's move on to the other huge uh, topic that that really happened this season. Uh, and I think the guy who probably came out the best because he started the season off being dead. <laughs> that of course is. Uh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go ahead and close out the show for this time. We'll save that for next time, okay, Sean? Oh yeah, yeah. That sounds good. To me. Well, let me just go ahead and pitch a couple of things. If you like our content, head on over to, uh, well, it's going to be TuscanShedMedia.com, and you're going to go check out um, a couple of other podcasts we do, namely, first up, the the Movie Gang podcast, hosted by yours truly, if you like me, if you like Sean, if you like uh, Jenna, if you like Trevor, and if you like Ben, definitely head on over there and watch us talk about movies, because we're just as dirty and fun at doing that. Um, also, up next, we're going to have some other uh, materials, but we got a new uh, we got a new podcast. Uh, podcast coming up called the uh, safe point which is a video game podcast um it's hosted by benjamin Haworth and myself and peter dancy um it's gonna be a lot of fun we're gonna talk about recent things we just ran an episode talking about like the uh, csgo controversy and uh gambling for little kids that's happening in the video game space so that's a lot of fun we also talked about autourism and a lot of other fun things to do with it so go check that out um also you can go up there and check out all our recent feasts for bros make sure to if you haven't caught up with the season i don't know why the fuck you're listening to this podcast if you haven't caught up with the season but <laughs> if you have make sure to go back and watch uh listen to each of our individual episodes 
after you uh, watch each uh, watch Game of Thrones. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And go check out more of our content. You can also go and look at bios on the site of all our beautiful people that are on here and all the interesting things they've done. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, TuscanShedMedia.com, uh, the Movie Gang Podcast, Same Point Podcast, and A Feast for Bros. This is the Tuscan Shed Media Network.